Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 18 of Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to be reading verses 14 through 16. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we're continuing to look at verse 14. In our last study, we saw that the gopher wood, um, the type of wood God commanded the ark to be made from, identified with brimstone. The word gopher, the Hebrew word, is only found in this verse, and it is um, 1613 in the concordance related to 1614, which, which again is the word translated as brimstone. 1614 is the feminine form. And, and we talked about how that ties in with the ark being a vessel that the Lord is commanding to be made that will provide deliverance and safety for his chosen people. And therefore the ark is a type and a figure of the salvation that Christ wrought for his elect from the point of the world's foundation. And then we saw that the word rooms is actually the word nests. God commanded that nests be made in the ark, and that also identified with language that points to the kingdom of heaven, because birds make their nests on high, eagles especially high up in the rocks, and if you're going to have something to represent that which is above the the kingdom of God, then a bird's nest is a figure that God is using to indicate that those that find entry that are uh, chosen again to and brought into the ark, they have a place in the kingdom of heaven above. And then it goes on to say in the last part of verse 14, again, room shalt thou make in the ark and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. The ark was to be pitched within and without with pitch. And um, the type of wood, whatever gopher wood is, um, had to be treated with a substance because the wood would be in deep water. And so it had to be made waterproof and 
and and so there could there could be no leaks and and so God commanded Noah to pitch it with pitch and we picture some slimy substance placed on the ark that would that would hold the wood together and seal up any crevices so there would be no leaks and so forth well yes historically that is what had to happen but uh, again god in commanding noah to build the ark is painting a picture the ark is a historical parable the construction of the ark was a historical parable that illustrated God's salvation program. We've already seen it with the word gopher and the word rooms. Now, the word pitch, the first time we read it, and shall pitch it within, that word pitch is Strong's number 3722. The second time we read it, and without with pitch. The second time it's Strong's 3724. It's a related word. The first Hebrew word translated as pitch, 3722, is only translated in this verse as pitch. But it's a fairly common word in the Old Testament. It is the Hebrew word kapar. And this word is found um, several times in Leviticus chapter 4. Leviticus 4, I'll read individual verses. First verse is verse 20. And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for a sin offering. So shall he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them. And it shall be forgiven them. The word kapar is the word atonement. 3722. It's also translated that way in verse 26, and he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings and the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. In verse 31, same chapter, last part of the verse, and the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Verse 35 Last part of the verse, and the priest shall make an atonement for him for his sin that he has committed and shall be forgiven him. And, and those are not the only instances, but repeatedly this word, um, kapar, that the King James translators translated as pitch. It's the only time in the Bible it's translated as pitch over 60 times it's translated atonement. Atonement. Several other times it's translated as reconcile or reconciliation. And a few times as purge. Once I found as merciful and once as forgive. This is the word. And in all those other places, of course, it's not a substance. You know, when you make an atonement. The word atonement is what the sacrifice of the animal represented. It was a picture of appeasing an angry God or reconciliation. That That's not a substance that you would apply to wood to sort of waterproof it. 
And, and so you can see the problem the King James translators had when they came to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14. And in God's word, it said, as God is commanding Noah to build an ark of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark and shalt atonement or atone it within and without with atonement. Actually, um, we'll discuss that second word later, maybe in our next study. The, the second word translated as pitch, it's slightly different. But, but it also is only translated as pitch here in this verse. And, and you can see that the translators had a problem. What does an atonement have to do with building a huge ship? What does it have to do with building a vessel to float in? And, and so they thought, well, that God is, is speaking of applying uh, something within and without, so we'll we'll translate it as pitch, and and perhaps they were looking at the idea of the ark itself. We we didn't talk about that word. It's eighty three ninety two, and it's translated ark, of course, several times in Genesis six, Genesis seven, and in in this historical record. The the only other time that the word ark, that same Hebrew word, is found, is in Exodus chapter 2, when Moses' mother was trying to deliver him from, from a death sentence that Pharaoh had imposed upon the Hebrew women, or, or upon their children, their male children. They all had to be killed. and And so she tried to hide him for as long as she could, for three months. But then, in Exodus 2, verse 3, it says, And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And and again, the word ark is the same word. And perhaps the, the translators looked at this, and of course it's a much smaller ark. It just had to be big enough for a, a baby. And yet, perhaps the translators saw that it was daubed with slime and with pitch. And, and so they, they got the idea that this word in Genesis 6 verse 14 We'll translate it as pitch. That's what you do with an ark. You you daub it. And that's what God certainly must have meant. Except the word pitch in Exodus 2 and verse 3 is zip it. It's uh, 2203. In, in the concordance, it, it's a completely different word. And it also lets us know that if God wanted to use a word to indicate a substance of pitch in order to waterproof the wood, to, to prepare it to be worthy for a ship-going vessel, he could have used that word. But the Lord did not. Again, he used kapar, kapar, atonement. You know, um, today when the Jews celebrate Yom Kippur, 
Yom Kippur. The day, Yom, means the day of atonement. And that's the word. Um, amazingly, that's the word that God chose to use to describe the ark. Atone for it within and without with pitch or uh, make an atonement within and without. Again, we'll look at that second word pitch another time. And this again, this word atonement, if we go to Leviticus 16, it's the word in verse 6. And Aaron shall offer his bullock in the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And uh, verse 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. Verse 16 through 18. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before Jehovah and make an atonement for it, and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat, and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And and it's used uh, many more times, a few more times in that same chapter. The word kapar, uh, atonement. There there is no no question. That's how the word should be translated. Now a literal translation. You know, it's not easy to do a literal translation of the Bible because man's mind at at times wants to correct the Word of God. It's it's a failing we have. It's not a good thing. Uh, Even um, the best of men, excellent translators overall, they want to help God because, well, it just doesn't sound right. And it can't be that that's what God wanted to say. But in translating it the way they did, they also serve God's purpose to hide truth. And and uh, and God certainly hid truth here when he commanded Noah to pitch it within and without with pitch. And, of course, now that we're looking at this as a historical parable... And we're looking for the deeper spiritual meaning. And by God's grace, we have all these Bible helps, like the concordance and interlinear and so forth. We can see clearly what God is doing or why he said this. He told Noah to make an atonement for it within and without. Make an atonement. Make an atonement because, again, the ark is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order for it to be 
a place of refuge. In order for it to be a place uh, where souls can survive and be delivered from the deluge of the flood, the wrath of God, the outpouring of the terrible wrath of God upon the people of the earth, in order for that to happen spiritually, the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ had to be performed. The atonement is what has saved the people of God. The atonement is what permitted Noah to find grace in God's sight and to be a just man and perfect in his generations. It, it's the atonement that brought him salvation and his family. And, and so uh, very uh, clearly God is, on one hand, giving instructions for a historical ship. On the other hand, he's painting a picture of the safety that the people of God find within the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting that there's been so much um, spiritual emphasis in this verse with the gopher wood, with the word rooms, with the word pitch being atonement, that we shouldn't be surprised that there is also a little bit more with the word within, the Hebrew word translated within. It's Strong's number 1004, 1004, and it is often translated as house. Uh, you'll, you'll find it translated as house again and again and again and again. It, it's a word that could easily have been translated here as house. You shall make atonement for the house. Make atonement for house. It is one way this could have been translated. And in Leviticus 16, let's go back there which is the chapter where God lays out the Day of Atonement. It says in Leviticus 16, in verse 6, And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house. That's the same word, the word house. and, And make atonement for himself and for within, for for those within. It's speaking of those within the house of God, the spiritual house, not the corporate body, not the external churches and congregations of the world, but the eternal church, the eternal house of God, who we read in Hebrews chapter 3, of whom that it says, whose house are we? Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we? We are the house within the kingdom of heaven that the Lord has made atonement for. He's made atonement for himself because he was bearing the sins of his people and for his house, the house of God that's built 
of living stones. It's that spiritual temple. However, uh, you know, we, uh, we want to say it. God has given many different examples to teach the same truth. And Aaron made atonement for his house, for that which is within. Now that also, of course, leads us to the rest of the verse in Genesis 6, verse 14. Um, you shall pitch it within and without with pitch. You will atone or make atonement for that which is within and without with pitch. Uh, the second word pitch, 3724, is translated as ransom or satisfaction. Um, it, it, it has to do with payment for sin. Payment for sin. Just as atonement involves payment for sin. You will make an atonement through the sacrifice of the various animals, all pointing to the sacrifice of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would make payment for sin. At the foundation of the world is when payment was made. Here again in Genesis 6.14 we wonder why is God saying you will atone or make atonement within the house? We understand. We understand that. That that relates to all of those that it was his good pleasure to elect to salvation. All their sins were atoned for. But why atonement within and without with satisfaction or or with ransom, with payment. Why is God indicating that it's to be both within and without? Now, when we look at it historically, we know within were eight souls. Noah, his wife, his sons and their wives. And without were all the other people of the world, all of the rest of mankind. Perhaps a a handful of million. We don't know the exact number. But everyone without was unsaved. Everyone without was subject to the wrath of God. And everyone without died in the flood without exception. Every single person on the face of the earth, man, woman, and child, perished in the flood. They drowned or or maybe they were smothered by a mudslide or, or whatever, but everyone died on the face of the earth, and not only them, but all the animals with the breath of life died because of the flood. Yet God, again, is commanding in the constructing of this ark, make atonement within and make atonement without. Make atonement within and without. It reminds us again of Leviticus 16. In Leviticus 16, we know that that there were two goats on the Day of Atonement. It says in in verse 8 of Leviticus chapter 16, And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for Jehovah and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat, upon which Jehovah's lot fell, 
and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before Jehovah to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So, uh, historically, on the Day of Atonement, uh, Aaron, the high priest of Israel, was to go into the Holy of Holies and make atonement, make atonement within. But there was also the scapegoat that the sins of Israel were laid upon his head and he was let go into the wilderness without he he was outside and there was no bloodshed with that goat there was no slaying of an animal sacrifice in any way he escaped he went free into the wilderness and the scapegoat typifies unsaved man that must make payment for his own sin because no blood has been shed for him. The atonement within covers Aaron and his house. The atonement without, they will pay for their own sin. They must atone for their own iniquities. And that's what God's saying in verse 20 of Leviticus 16. And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. That is, he is driven away like Cain. He's separated from the presence of God. He's without the kingdom of heaven. And it is without the kingdom, without the door, once the door of the ark is shut, it is without that God pours out his wrath upon the wicked, all of the unsaved people of the earth. And during that process of the outpouring of the wrath of God, atonement is made for sin. Historically, the people outside of the ark died under the wrath of God. Why did they die? For their sin. Because they rebelled against God. And this was the wages of sin is death working out, uh, ending their lives as God brought judgment upon them. He brought uh, his heavy hand down upon them and he took their lives because the law demanded satisfaction. The law of God demands to be satisfied. And that's what the second word pitch means. Satisfaction. Pitch it within, make atonement for it within, or for the house of God within, and without, with satisfaction. 
so uh, what a what an incredible book the Bible is, and uh, just wonderful how God has hidden this kind of information in plain view, but He's hidden it in in the deeper spiritual meaning of things, and it's just wonderful when we can see uh, these things come to light. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.